You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Welcome in to the Sports Objective as we have another great night. It's Thursday night, Friday Eve, and my good buddy from China Grove, North Carolina. Let's bring in Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up? Uh, not a whole lot, Dave. It's a miserable night here in the greater Charlotte area. Uh, you know, what, mid to, uh, mid to upper 30s and, uh, you know, cold rain, uh, brutal night. But uh, for- fortunately, uh, you don't have to be out in it. No doubt it's a great night to be inside to do a show and Bubba, really happy to have our guest back, uh, one of our favorites over the last few years. Yeah, the Pirates are headed to Greenville, South Carolina on uh, Saturday afternoon to take on the um, South Carolina Gamecocks on Lamar Paris' ball club. So very excited right now to be rejoined by Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. Chris, welcome back. Yeah, Bubba, Dave, I appreciate it. It's been a while. I was thinking, I was like, man, the guys have a new logo, I think maybe a new intro, so... I, I see y'all are doing well and, and thriving, which is great to see. But, uh, no, I always enjoy talking ball with you guys, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, what have you. Uh, again, we go around the horn. But, uh, no, it's always a pleasure, guys. I appreciate it and uh, looking forward to it. No doubt. In fact, uh, you brought up a thing. We're going to be talking about baseball later on because we got a basketball game to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let me ask you this question, Chris. Uh, I know that you're really close with uh, with uh, Coach Tanner, the AD, but uh, I'm just saying that jokingly. But – uh, can we get South Carolina more games? Can we get more games with South Carolina? I know we have uh, one more game left, I believe, at Carolina coming up in a few years. But uh, maybe is it 2020? Bubba, is it 2025? It's, it's, it's something like that. Yeah, I don't recall exactly, but uh, that's correct. We love as far as having one more on the on the docket. Yeah, we love playing South Carolina. You guys are not like a. It's a regional rivalry as far as, you know, like being proximity, but we don't have the hatred. Like, it's not the South Carolina-Clemson game, I know, but um, it's still one that I feel like should be played. And I know you don't speak for the administration, but uh, how about South Carolina fans? Is that something you guys would have an interest in and in playing East Carolina? Um, not, I'm not saying it has to be, obviously, every year because of scheduling up for both teams would be really hard, but a home-and-home. Home, uh, I know that's something I heard is, uh, by the way, that South Carolina would never come back to Greenville. I hope that's not true. <laughs> um, putting you on the spot, but uh, I just want to get your thoughts. Uh, no, I, I'd love it. I love it. I think South Carolina, East Carolina is a great matchup. I know, guys, we were talking off air that, uh, you know, it's never too early to look ahead to baseball season. And I just, you know, the, non, the non-conference schedule for South Carolina and the full schedule dropped. And uh, I'll be honest with you, outside of the Carolina Clemson series, which I think is the best rivalry in all of college baseball, the non-conference schedule, there's not a whole lot that I look at and I get all that excited about, to be honest with you. I mean, it'll be great to pad the stats and kind of see what you have and and rack up the wins. But, you know, I, I, I like when the Gamecocks play ECU. I don't care what the sport is. Like you mentioned, I think it's a really cool uh, sort of regional rivalry. And a rivalry doesn't have to have, like, the level of hatred that Carolina Clemson does. It's probably a better thing that most don't have that level of hatred. But it's just a good, fun, competitive rivalry. Obviously, the ECU fan base – 
um, you know, I think is one of the best, you know, in regards to passion and supporting their teams. And, you know, I've got a couple of buddies. I didn't go to the game, the football game, obviously, last year, but I had a bunch of buddies that went. And, you know, they said ECU fans were giving them a little bit of hell, you know, but which is good, which is good. It's healthy. So, um, and we obviously saw, you know, we were talking off air about the Super Regional and the way that the fans showed up in the jungle. And I, I've talked to guys that played baseball at South Carolina that played in that regional, what was it, 2018, I believe, when the Gamecocks went in there sure. and then, you know, played back in 2009. They, they've talked about, like, how crazy it is, like just the pure madness of of playing there. So I think it's a good, fun, competitive thing, no matter the sport. The games also in football, guys, I mean, they're, they're fantastic. I mean, the games always come down to the wire. So, you know, if, when you're scheduling non-conference, anybody can go schedule kind of that boring whatever, somebody you're going to beat by 50. But I think there's a lot of good, fun competitiveness and, 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 and like you said, that, that local rivalry, if you will. So, you know, I'm glad they're, they're, they're playing on the hardwood. I, I don't recall exactly how long it's been. Um, but it feels like it's been quite a while. But anytime South Carolina and East Carolina square up, I feel like it's a really fun competitive game and and looking forward to yet another fun one on Saturday. And taking a look at this ball club, um, South Carolina is very much like um, the Pirates in that they have a first-year coach. They're going through a transition. Uh, so uh, tell us about that, and then we'll dive mm -hmm. into the roster that uh, is highlighted by G.G. Jackson. But first, tell us about Lamont Paris and uh, your impression of him. Yeah, first-year head coach Lamont Paris. Uh, obviously, the Gamecocks uh, parting ways with Frank Martin after a long stint, and uh, it was a, you know, it was a decision that I think most were on board with, but some definitely, adamantly disagreed that South Carolina should have brought him back, and maybe some believed that that Frank Martin wasn't treated in the in the greatest way down the stretch. But I think it just what it boiled down to, guys, was after a decade, you made the tournament one time. And I think really the big kicker was after the Final Four run you had in 2017, there was just no capitalizing on the momentum that you had built, like at all, right? At all. You hadn't even sniffed a, a tournament since. So I think you couple that. I think you couple it with, again, it's, it's just one of those things where the relationship just sort of ran its course and it was time for some new blood. And you insert Lamont Paris, who – you know, I think Gamecock fans, myself included, didn't, we didn't really know a ton about when he was hired, obviously coming over from, from Chattanooga and, you know, did, did great work for them, obviously took them to the tournament. But, you know, a player's coach, very relatable, loved listening to him talk about basketball and he's had success. But, you know, he's sort of a wild card, guys. Let's call it for what it is. I mean, I, I think this is going to be a work in progress. And you look at the roster, certainly, and, you know, it shows in the roster, right? I mean, your roster was basically gutted from last year's team. So many of those guys hit the transfer portal and left. Uh, you do bring in the number one overall player in the country in, in, in terms of recruiting in Gigi Jackson, who's arguably the best freshman in all of college basketball and will probably be a lottery pick. Um, outside of that, it's just sort of a makeshift roster, though. You know, you've got some decent pieces and guys like Hayden Brown, Michi Johnson, the Ohio State transfer. Hayden Brown's a Citadel transfer, but Michi came from Ohio State. Uh, Chico Carter and Jacoby Wright are two returners from last year's team that play at the point that they're both good players, they're solid. Um, what kills this team is depth, though, and we and we knew that, right? And and I think everyone set very very realistic expectations coming into the season. Understand, hey, it's it's going to take some time. You got to give Lamont Paris time to build, even with uh, the insertion of Gigi Jackson, and they're going to kind of go as far as you know he can take them, right? I mean, even in losses, you know, they lost by what was it, fourteen points to UAB Wednesday night. He had twenty points, so night in, night out, he, he's a lot of fun to watch. And I will say every single game when you're talking about like top storylines for South Carolina basketball, he's going to be one to keep an eye on. But, uh, you know, I think this fan base is going to have patience with Lamont Paris. I think, 
you know, all signs so far, you know, he's a very likable guy. And I think he's won over the fan base at this point. As we all know, guys, it'll come down to winning and losing. That's what it always comes down to. But, uh, you know, I, I think he will get time. I don't even really think he's going to start being judged on his tenure until – I'd probably say year three is when you really start kind of evaluating, look up, say, okay, we need to see like some real hard progress. And, you know, that's kind of the, one of the big debates on our side behind closed doors is like what realistically are the expectations year in, year out for Gamecocks basketball? Because, you know, it's a program that, you know, I think the support level is high. I think Gamecock fans like basketball, but as we were talking off air guys, at times, if we're being realistic, I feel like it's sort of a program that's put on the back burner, right? Like if you're winning, there's a lot of fan interest. There's a lot of support. But, I mean, it's a lot like baseball, too, though. It's one of those where, like, if you're not putting a product out there, you're going to have a tough time drawing interest and drawing fan support, a.k.a. attendance. So, I, I believe in Lamont Paris. I'm excited to see what he can do. But, you know, the hire was a bit of a wild card. And, um, again, he's a very likable guy. And, and I think uh, so far I, li I like what I've seen in regard to the style and the attitude they play with. And they really play free, play loose, let their shooters shoot. But right now I just think they're lacking the bodies, and that's just something you got to be patient and, and give Lamont Paris time to build his roster. As far as Gigi Jackson, uh, well, he's a Columbia native, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, he's a local kid. Yep, mm -hmm. six nine, uh, and obviously a matchup concern um, for East mm -hmm. Carolina as he will be from most teams, or you know, at least a lot of the people the Gamecocks will play this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Schwartz um, certainly said a lot about him in his comments to the media mm -hmm. uh, leading into this, and uh, one of the things that jumped out to me watching him play is just the way he moves at six nine mm -hmm. and um, ha handles the ball, shoots. Um, what upper 30% from three mm -hmm. and you know, he's was averaging 17 and uh, seven and a half, something like that. Yeah. Oh, he's a complete player for sure. I mean, he can do it all. Um, you know, I, and what I love too is Lamont Paris is just really letting him go play. Like, I, I don't think they're, they're holding him back in any way. They're embracing the fact that, Hey, this team kind of revolves around you. Yes. You're the youngest player in college basketball. I believe he is the youngest player, but um, you know, when you got a guy like that with that talent, that skill set, and that ability, again, you got to kind of just take the training wheels off and let him learn on the fly. And I think they've done that. And I think Lamont Paris has done a really good job, too, in, in challenging him and getting the most out of him. You know, I think of the game against uh, Georgetown, a game in which he got shut out in the first half. And Lamont Paris, they sat after the game, Lamont Paris approached him at halftime in the locker room and said, hey, that's BS. That's BS. We need more from you. Second half. He goes off for 22 points. The Gamecocks win the game in overtime. So I think Lamont Paris, and I think that's really what year one's about for Lamont Paris, right? Getting the most out of Gigi Jackson, getting him to the next level. And I think that's something you can build off of in recruiting. That's something you can sell to prospects like, hey, look what I did with this kid, right? So, um, you know, I, I, he, he, he's, you know, if G, let me just put it this way. If Gigi Jackson has an off night, this team, I believe, just doesn't have a chance to win. Like, he, he's got to play well. And most of the time, the good news is he does play well just because of he's got he's, – he's raw. You can tell he's raw, but he's got all the talent and the ability in the world, like I said. And like I said, the way he moves for a guy that's 6'9 and plays really free and loose and can kind of sort of do everything for you, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him grow and develop and evolve and – and certainly this will be my first time seeing him in person on Saturday. I'll actually be at the game and uh, really looking forward to seeing what he looks like in person. And because I think he's a guy he, we're going to be watching him on TV for quite a long time. Well, Chris, you can actually hang out with Bubba. Bubba's going to be at the game as well, but uh, I'm sure that will be a lot. Of I love it. We'll have, to, we'll have to link up. So I, I actually live in uh, Greenville, South Carolina now. So I'm literally five minutes from the arena. So we'll, yeah, we'll have to link up for sure. Yeah, we'll have to link yeah, up. Yeah, definitely. 
I'll be I'll be there. My my parents will, will be um, be alongside, and then also uh, a guy named Gabe Mikulas who um, played for East Carolina back in the early two thousands. Mm. Nice. Okay. Very good. Wanted to ask you about being year one for Coach Paris. What's the style of play for mm-hmm. for the Gamecocks this year? I would say offensively, again, it's it's a very free, loose shooting team. They let their guys shoot, man. It, it, there's there's no fear on the offensive side. And I think a lot of that comes from two guys, like I mentioned before. It's a team that just lacks bigs, lacks that presence down low, but not, a play, not afraid to pull the three. And that, that was something that with Frank Martin, I think fans got frustrated with because we knew what the style was. It was sort of that hard-nosed defensive style. Like, they wanted to win 62-60, to 60, you know what I mean? And if we didn't play good defense, we just had no shot. So, I think Lamont Paris, he wants to implement. He is implementing a much more offensive-friendly type of system. Uh, one that guys that can just, again, they can play confident, play free, play loose, pull the trigger. I mean, Gigi Jackson has the green light constantly. Like, he, he's constantly just jacking it up, which I love it, man. I, I love it. If you're going to go down, go down shooting. Uh, on the defensive end, I think they're still kind of figuring that out. You know, I think they want to be physical, but I, I think – the lack of presence down low is, again, just really killing them. You look at the other night. You look at – what was it last night, actually? They got outscored 40-26 to 26 in the paint. So, um, you, you know, I, I think it's still a work in progress on the defensive side. But, uh, you know, I, I think aggressive, an aggressive playing team, an aggressive nature, I, I think that's what Lamont Paris is striving for. And, again, right now, guys, it's just, you know, finding the best five, the most consistent five, or maybe the best four outside of Gigi Jackson because you know what he's giving you. But – um, you know, finding those other guys, finding a big down low, you know, if you can solve those issues, and I think it helps solve sort of the style playing issues. But I think playing free, playing loose, uh, and being aggressive is what I most noticed thus far, uh, just 10 games into his tenure. Transitioning over and uh, talking a little football, uh, man, what a close to the regular season for the Gamecocks after what was a, a nightmare of a performance down in the swamp. Um, they bounced back. Uh, put up 63 on the Vols there in Columbia and then um, do something that hadn't been done in quite a while. Um, is that it's obviously beat the Clemson Tigers. So talk about the uh, season on the whole, and, and then we'll dive into some of the specifics. Yeah, what a finish. What a finish, guys. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, I obviously so notably went on to – Went on to social media after the Florida loss, which was a complete embarrassment, and uh, told everyone that Tennessee was just going to do whatever they wanted to South Carolina, beat us by 50 points. I think my my final score prediction was uh, 59 to 13, if I recall correctly, Tennessee winning the game. And I was there in person. And, I mean, just one of the most improbable finishes we've ever seen with the back-to-back wins, like you mentioned, over Tennessee and then Clem sucks and, and – and, you know, beating them for the first time since 2013, snapping their 40-game home winning streak. You know, you were watching that game against them, and they had – this was their record after leading at halftime. This was their record after leading the third quarter, and you snap all those things. And um, it's crazy how quickly things can change, right? How quickly things can change from you're sitting at 6-4, and four, you just got embarrassed by Florida, you didn't score a single offensive touchdown to, you know, a couple weeks later you're 8-4 and four and – uh, you know, there isn't a hotter team in the country. So, and I know some things have happened since the end of the season that I'm sure we'll probably get into that have been uh, a little bit topsy-turvy with the portal, NIL, the OC stuff, all that. But, man, what a season. Year two with Shane Beamer. I think you look at it as a whole and the fact they were able to, you know, overcome adversity, overcome, um, you know, some things that I think were almost self-inflicted on the offensive side. 
the fact they were able to navigate around that, get to eight and four. Guys, I talked all preseason. I would have given anything to go eight and four. I would have signed up for eight and four in a heartbeat. It was what I was picked as well, or what I picked for this team as well. But I would have given anything to go eight and four. And sure enough, you hit that. And, you know, any year you beat Clemson, it's a pretty good year. So, uh, and back to back wins over top 10 teams. First time you'd ever done that in school history. So, um, all in all, I would say it was a six, successful year, too. And what's funny, I think some fans were even left clamoring for more and thinking, what if? Because, guys, three of your four losses came to teams that finished six and six. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. If Carolina had been able to finish or, excuse me, figure things out earlier in the season on the offensive side, figure those things out, who knows what could have happened. But all in all, eight and four, chance to win a ninth in a bowl game. If you'd have told anybody, that would have been the case. You'd be going to the Gator Bowl, taking on Notre Dame. There isn't a Gamecock fan out there that wouldn't have signed up for that. So, you know, again, guys, all in all, a great season. The finish was incredible, and I think definitely something that Shane Beamer can build on as he continues to continues to elevate his program. No doubt about it, especially when Shane Beamer actually was one. Bubba, was that the 20 – I guess that was 2018 after we um, – after East Carolina fired. Was that no, right? No, it, it was 2015 because uh, – Okay, okay. It was when we when we ended up hiring Scotty Montgomery, and obviously uh, Shane Beamer didn't have some of those things on his resume uh, like that experience with Lincoln Riley. But still, uh, that's something I said back then: is uh, I would have much rather had Shane Beamer. You, you looked at the different places he had been, um, in addition to you know all the experience there with his father. But um, you know, being at Georgia Tech and then Mississippi State, et cetera. Uh, there was just a lot more to like and um just his just hearing him speak for a few times i just love um you know the what love the way he carries himself and it's easy to see why guys love to play for him mm. yeah, yeah i mean he, yeah i was gonna say he goes to bat for his guys i mean you, you heard it in his latest presser talking about the oc i mean he's he's definitely a player's coach loyal to his people loyal to his program and i mean again every time he speaks you hear that go ahead dave sorry no, that's okay. I was just going to add the fact that uh, I wanted to ask as far as one of the questions I had was recruiting. Um, and then I was going to ask that, you know, obviously, but you take after those two wins, two big wins, uh, the guy's a heck of a recruiter. I mean, I don't care what you say about Shane Beamer. The one thing you can't say is that he's a bad recruiter. He got some of the best mm. when he was there before, right? He got some yeah. of the best recruits ever in the history of South mm. Carolina football. So talk about that recruiting wise, you guys, I know we're um, definitely in the familiar more than us. How are things looking for recruiting for this coming season? Yeah, it looked good. And obviously, we've got the early signing day next Wednesday, less than a week away. So, uh, you know, these, these coaches, they're working nonstop around the clock because, you know, when it used to be, it felt like we kind of, you know, got some time off, some time to chill. And we had that signing day in February. It's, you know, it's moved up in December and, um, no, I mean, Shane Beamer's an elite recruiter, and he understands the importance of it. It's the lifeblood of your program, and I think he does a great job doing it, does a great job of selling the program because he truly, truly believes in it, and he truly, truly loves the University of South Carolina, and I think, again, that's evident every time he speaks on it. So the recruiting side of things, I'll tell you this, guys, it was it was something when he was hired I was never really worried about. Like, I, I was not worried that Shane Beamer would be able to recruit well at USC, now, obviously, elevating your recruiting, right? Can you push it to the next, next level? Because realistically, to compete with the the Georgias and the Tennessees and the LSUs and the Bamas and start really competing with the upper echelons, you've got to change your recruiting, right? If five, six, seven years from now, we're talking about the Gamecocks in the SEC championship, we're going to look back and say, well, it's because recruiting changed. I mean, that's where it all starts, right? Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. But I, I think they're doing a good job. You know, obviously, just recently suffered two decommits, but – 
I mean, right now, guys, it's just the wild, wild west, man, with the transfer portal, NIL. I mean, Shane, you were mentioning it yesterday that, hey, we're kind of all growing, going through it right now. I believe the Gamecocks right now sit 18th in recruiting. So I think a top 20 finish would be great. And I, I think you can expect them yet again. I mean, you saw them last year. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler, Antoine Wells, Christian Bill Smith, Devonnie Reed, Terrell Dawkins, they attacked the transfer portal. I would expect them to do that again, although you haven't heard any names. I, I think Shane Beamer and company will be very, very active in the transfer portal once again because I believe Shane Beamer believes in the transfer portal. I know he does. It's obviously evident at this point. So, now nah, recruiting is going well. Um, I, I think when you look at this class, they're about to bring in and they're going to continue to build it, but uh, it's line of scrimmage heavy. They they are focused on beefing up the offensive and defensive line, which makes a lot of sense, right? SEC's a line of scrimmage league. You know, we, we talk about spread offenses and these skilled playmakers, and that's great and all, but if, if you can't move the man in front of you, if you, if you can't, if you can't throw a block, if you can't rush the passer, if you can't stop the run, you can't run the football, you, you just don't have a chance in the SEC, right, on a week-in, week-out basis. So it's still a physicality league. It's still a line of scrimmage league. They know that. That's where a lot of the recruiting is focused. And, again, I would expect them to use the portal yet again to go out and get some more playmakers, especially on the outside, uh, go get some DBs probably. I think they've also got a bunch of young DBs already on the roster. I think they'll go attack linebacker in the portal, maybe D-line. I mean, anybody that can really help them. I think Shane Beamer's open to it and – you know, one of their biggest recruiting jobs right now is trying to get Spencer Rattler to come back next year. I think that's uh, Dowell Loggins mentioned that uh, that was one of his top priorities is try to convince Spencer Rattler to stay another year. But uh, no, all in all, man, recruiting is something I'm always going to have confidence in. Shane Beamer makes it a priority. He knows how important it is. And I'd say he's a pretty damn recruiter, good recruiter in his own light. So, uh, yeah, I would say recruiting is, is going very well, and I would expect it to continue to do so. Now, Chris, we... Bubba, we've lost your audio for some reason. Uh, but Johnny Robertson, we call he knows by, he goes by JR. It said should be an interesting Gator Bowl depth chart for the Gamecocks, especially at tight end. Like many other teams, the time this time of year, there seems to be plenty of attrition issues. Yeah, tight end's gonna be interesting. I mean, I was just thinking in my head who's gonna play tight end, and I have to really, I have to really rack my brain for a second because no Jaheim Bell, no Austin Stogner. No Trey Kenyon, uh, which were your top three guys. I mean, you look, maybe a guy like a Xavier Short, the freshman, gets an opportunity. Uh, Chad Terrell's been out for the year with an injury. So, I, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't really know who they go with, to be honest with you. It, it'll be interesting. And, and, and it's something that every team is battling at this point. Every team's battling the, the transfer portal thing. And if you're not in the playoff, guys are opting out. They're getting ready for the draft and, and more power to them. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's – I mean – Again, it's these. I really, guys. I'll tell you on a side note. I, I just I feel for these college coaches. I, I really do because they've already got so much pressure on them. They've already got so much on their plate. Then you add in what the portal and NIL bring in that madness, and then you're trying to get your team ready to play a bowl game, and then you got the early signing day. And I mean, it's just. I, I mean, they've got. I don't know how they even have time to breathe. Like I really don't. It's 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 crazy. So. Um, anyways, you know, I, I expect Shane Beamer again, they'll put together a game plan and they'll, they'll, they'll find guys, they'll, they'll go play with the best 22 and Notre Dame will do the same. And, and, uh, I know they've had some opt out to them as well. So I know Gamecock Nation's excited for the game either way, but like, uh, like JR mentioned, just the battle of attrition is, is, uh, is real on both sides for sure. No doubt about it. And, uh, with, <clears throat> I know with, uh, JR, he also had another question that we can bring up here for you. 
with Step and is it Loggins? Yes, Dowell Loggins. Yes, Loggins. Yep. And I okay. I know how absurd his name sounds. Trust me, I, yeah. I've been joking about that for over a week. <laughs> like it sounds like a fake name. Like it really does. I don't. Yeah. Know, it's one of the weirder names. Where I don't know. Whatever. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get used to it. Uh, with with them being on staff, do you anticipate some players relocating from Fayetteville, being the University of Arkansas, to Columbia? for the Gamecocks. Yeah, the top one right now, I would say, is Trey Knox, the tight end, which would be a huge pickup. I, I think when you look at him and his skill set, somewhat resembles a Jaheim Bell, and you just lost him in the portal, so I think he'd be a great replacement for you. You know, Trey Knox was a guy when the Gamecocks played at Arkansas in week two, you know, we were talking about and breaking down and talking about how much he was a he was a matchup nightmare for you and a guy that started out at wide receiver, transitioned to tight end, put on some weight, so – I think he could be a great addition for you. If Spencer Rattler comes back, he's another great big-time target for him. Um, and I think there could be some others. You know, I don't have any names right now, but there have been some rumors that Loggins could be bringing some other guys with him. So, uh, And Loggins is a great recruiter in his own right, too. So there might be some guys that he was talking to that he can sway over to the Gamecock side. But I would definitely expect a couple of Arkansas guys from that offensive group uh, especially the ones that played under Loggins. Hey, maybe a couple other tight ends, but definitely Trey Knox and maybe a few others to, to join him in Columbia as well. As far as uh, we also want to ask, Bubba wanted to ask, who will call plays with Satterfield moving on to Nebraska? So Shane Beamer has said he's not telling anybody. <laughs> so they are uh, they're keeping it a secret. Um, if I had to guess, I think it will be a a team effort, a joint effort between um, Freddie Kitchens, Justin Stepp. I mean, I think Shane Beamer will be involved. Uh, but he's made it clear they're they're not they're not gonna say anything, which which makes a lot of sense because you know why 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 give your opponent any sort of indication of who's gonna call plays where they can try to kind of dig and go back did this guy ever call plays before if he did what does it look like so you know maybe keep Notre Dame guessing a little bit and uh, but you know th there's a lot of speculation on who called plays how much of the plays did Satterfield actually call in the final two weeks and for everybody I've talked to um, he. He, he did call the plays, but there was a lot of help from guys like Freddie Kitchen, Shane Beamer, you know, Justin Stepp as well. So I, I would expect a, a group effort, and uh, I think they'll try to do a lot of the same things they obviously did over the last two weeks. And um, But, yeah, Shane Beamer is keeping the, the lips sealed on who the play caller will be for the bowl game. Uh, speaking of the bowl game, uh, the Gator Bowl, Jacksonville, the first time I know you said uh, you've gone to Florida – so uh, talk about that, yeah. about the, uh, the experience. What are you guys hearing about uh, maybe some festivities down there, maybe some of our friends that are in the Jacksonville area uh, that maybe could come to the game? Yeah, and I think Gamecocks Online just posted like an itinerary. So they are doing some different stuff. Uh, Thursday, I know. I'll get down there Wednesday. So we'll be down there Wednesday through Saturday, come back Saturday, obviously New Year's Eve. Um, but on or excuse me, on Thursday, which is the 29th, they are throwing like a – a pep rally at 6.15, Gamecock band will be out there, and it's going to be Notre Dame and South Carolina. So Notre Dame will go first. The Gamecocks will be up there with their cheerleaders band, stuff like that. Pretty cool pep rally. I think there's a concert as well the night before the game. And and then we're throwing a tailgate the day of the game with our good friends over at Carolina Cigars. One of our business partners will be out there in Lot J right outside of the stadium, 11 till kickoff. But, uh, yeah, like I was telling you, man, it's, it's the first time the Gamecocks have been to the Gator Bowl since the late 80s. And it's the first time I've ever been to a Florida bowl game. Like I was saying off air, I've been to two bowl games. And uh, they were both in Charlotte, North Carolina. And one of them was really good. And the other one was horrific. And we never speak of it again. But, uh, no, I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, it's it's 
you know, as, as much fun as like last year was, I, I think we've definitely got some Charlotte fatigue, which I say that it's so funny because we're literally going back there next year to open the season against the North Carolina Tar Heels again. So <laughs> we've got, a, I think our fan base has got a little bit of fatigue going there. So to go to a different venue and, and to play an opponent like Notre Dame, it wouldn't matter what bowl you're in. You're playing Notre Dame, such a historical college football program. And um, it'll be really cool. I think the Gamecock fan base will travel extremely well. You know, Gamecock football tweeting out they had sold out their allotment of tickets. So I know this fan base is really excited. I'm excited, looking forward to it one last time to watch the boys strap it up. And again, you go into that game with tons of momentum. I know the transfer portals hit you, but, you know, on field momentum, you certainly have it. And what a win it would be to get your ninth win against such a historical program like a Notre Dame. Yeah, as a matter of fact, my dad's cousin, he's like an uncle to me. I'm very close to him. Mm-hmm. He's talked uh, since it happened. I remember being a little boy about that's one of the coldest times ever in his life was at the Gator Bowl. Uh, he's a big UNC uh, fan. And he went down there. Uh, it was early 80s. And mm-hmm. he, he he froze during that game, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, very cold. So I don't know if that I don't know what the forecast is going to be for you guys uh, down there. But you may want to dress warm. I hope it's good weather, man. I'm I'm prepared, but I would love just uh you know an an unseasonal 75 or something. You know what I mean? I would I would love that. So I I don't know. We'll see. Uh it was it was so no, it was it's funny you say that. Last year I recall because I wore a tank top. I wore a tank top to the bowl game last year. So just to give you an indication on the weather that game in Charlotte. So I'd love more of the same for that one, no doubt. Let's talk some baseball before we let you go. I know you've been generous, as always, with us. Uh, I know you're looking forward to it. And, again, mm. if we can get uh, Coach uh, Tanner, the AD at U, uh, for a Columbia at South Carolina, John Gilbert, uh, well, actually it will be, this particular case, the two baseball coaches. But mm. um, I love for that uh, – I love for us to play some baseball together. And, by the way, I was going to tell you, if you ever um, want to come up and experience – Clark O'Clair, I'll get you in uh, for sure. Dude, I, I would love to. And, and you know, I, 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 you make a great point that, you know, again, we were talking off air, but um, <clears throat> I think it's a no-brainer. South Carolina and East Carolina should play in a non-conference series. I think it would be a lot of fun. You know, go back and forth, home and away. Obviously, two fantastic ballparks. You got Founders Park in Columbia, and then you guys ballpark up there. And, and what's, it, what's, it, what's it called again? What's y'all's ballpark? Clark LeClaire Stadium. Clark LeClaire. Okay. Okay. Clark. Really nice, really nice park from what I've heard. I've never been, obviously, but um, yeah, I mean, this, this, this baseball season, man. I mean, everybody knows I'm a baseball guy. You know, I I I love Carolina basketball because I love the Gamecocks, but baseball definitely hits differently for me. Obviously, played it in college, and it's I am just extremely I, I'm as I'm as passionate about Carolina baseball as I am Carolina football, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm looking forward to this season. You know, we haven't dove into really deep in regards to breaking down the roster or giving any predictions or stuff like that. But we will start doing that probably mid-January and uh, going to be a new look team this year. You know, you add Monty Lee over from Clemson, the head coach. He comes over to your program now, an assistant head coach, if you will. And uh, the Gamecocks have one of the, one of the better pitching staffs in the SEC and it all come down to hitting, which it feels like it always does. And a uh, huge year for Mark Kingston. I think this is kind of his make or break year in Columbia. I think the Gamecocks, it might be super regional or bust for Mark Kingston, if you will. The expectations will be high, as they always are for South Carolina, as they should be. But uh, I'm looking forward to it personally, guys, because, again, I, I don't live in Columbia anymore, but uh, we will be hitting the road more than a couple of times this year for some road series. Uh, the game, the series in Athens is always a good time. We'll go to Carolina Clemson, of course. Um, I'll go to, at minimum, the game in Greenville, South Carolina, up here at Floor Field on that Saturday, game two. But uh, South Carolina plays at Arkansas. 
at Mississippi State. So really excited to check out a couple of the best ballparks in college baseball. And, um, you know, college baseball season, again, guys, for all those that love it, it's it's just truly a, a blast and a blessing. And it's 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 incredible to watch. And I still think people, and I know y'all would agree, sleep on college baseball and how much fun it is and the entertainment value. And I think it's it's very undercovered. It's very under-televised. And so people like yourself, you know, I like to think people like myself, and I got friends like Ben Upton over at 11.7 and what Kendall yeah. Rogers and Aaron Fit do with, with D1Baseball.com. These outlets, these entities, they do such a great job of bringing more and more light to the game of college baseball, and, and they should, man, because it's 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 must see TV, and you know, especially getting to those midweeks and some of like the wackiest things happen. And but uh, now it's a blast, man, and looking forward to it, and uh, you know, just hoping South Carolina will get back to the Gamecocks baseball that I know and love because this past year, man, I mean, you, you guys know, and I'm, I'm sure it's been a while since ECU's had a had a down year, but when you're not good. In baseball, it's a long season. I mean, it drags too when you're not good. But uh, you know what a ride it is when you got a real team like last year for you guys, where you know, right? You know that you're going to make a run, and uh, I know that Godwin's looking to, you know, looking to get his Pirates to the to the first, you know, to the College World Series for the first time. And I, you know, I got a weird sneaking suspicion that y'all are getting pretty close. I know last year was right there knocking on the door, so. Um, no, nah, it's going to be a fun season, man. I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to diving into everything. And, you know, I think this Gamecocks baseball team, there's some real potential there. And um, if they can swing it, man, I think they'll be a real threat to, uh, to, 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 you know, to go deep into the postseason. Well, it's going to be fun. In now, fact, Chris, yeah, Bubba, I guess going. I was somehow in no, earlier, I guess I was somehow in, uh, you know, football mode. Um, but I, somehow, even as closely as I follow college baseball, I had missed that with Monty Lee uh, mm-hmm. after getting fired at Clemson, uh, coming mm-hmm. over to Coach Kingston's staff. Yes, he is on the staff now. Yeah, he's serving as a assistant head coach, hitting coach, if you will. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic, no doubt. I mean, Mark Kingston's your head coach for sure, but you practically have head coach A, head coach B. And uh, it's no secret that Mark Kingston's on the hot seat and that Mark Kingston's job is on the line. So... Um, you know, it's it's great to get Coach Lee back in Columbia, though. For those that may have missed it, obviously he 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 was a Gamecock first. Um, served on Ray Tanner's staff for quite a long time. Was part of some of the you know was part of those murderer rows murderers row lineups with Justin Smoke, Reese Havens, Phil Dister, James Darnell. Some of the ones that that played East Carolina right in that in that '09 season. Played them in '07, right? Some of those lethal lineups. So. To get Monty Lee back, I mean, I'm a huge Monty Lee guy. I played ball with guys that played for him, that were recruited by him. They got nothing but glowing reviews about him. So, glad to see him back for sure. And the one other thing I had – Dave, one other thing that I had um, since Chris brought up playing games in Charlotte. It's absolutely ridiculous when you see North Carolina and South Carolina playing in a game that should be sold out. And there's, what, you know, 50,000 in attendance with that many empty seats at Bank of America Stadium because they they charge these ridiculous t- <clears throat> ticket prices. Yeah. 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 Every time you play in Charlotte, you can expect it to be well overpriced. So, yeah, it's – I mean – like I, I love the city of Charlotte. I lived there for four years, and I mean, it's. I'm not saying it's not a cool game, but like for example, I've I've never been to UNC's campus. Like I'd love to go. I mean, I. It, it's just you can't beat a home and home. Like, see, I, again, I'm someone that like I love the unique non-conference matchups. Like South Carolina. I don't know if you guys knew this. I don't think it's still like 26 or 27, but 
they're going to Boone to play App State. I can't wait. Like, I, I cannot wait to make a road trip out of that. And uh, I know that might make East Carolina fans a little pissed off because for some reason we 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 try to duck you guys. I think every now and then. I, I don't yeah, know. I don't we, know. Yeah, that's <laughs> we don't want to play. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what that, it is. Yeah, in fact, when that game, I remember the uh, very well when the with that field goal with <laughs> last year with the South Carolina. I I literally was near the the coaches as they were running off, and they were literally like so relieved they won that game you know yeah and uh but i just remember that and as far as boone i i think it comes down. i'll tell you what it comes down to chris i'll be honest i think a lot of pirate nation feels like that appalachian state was like the pirates of the 90s we mm -hmm. had a lot of big wins and all that um i think that it comes down to scheduling and you've got to have an athletic look at the athletic director uh bubba helped me out uh but the athletic director in boone with app state he's been scheduling a lot of great games he's had north carolina come there the university of miami has come to boone yeah um, we're yeah. having the first time in a long time we're going to be at boone next year oh, this coming really? season. Wow. Uh, yeah well i mean we did in this like the 70s way back when you know the pirates were double a you know socon days and that kind of thing but i think with uh that we just need to have someone that can schedule the north carolinas the nc states you know, um, I don't think Duke has an interest of playing because they're looking to get bowl eligible. And they actually have a great coach now in Mike Elko. So I'm happy for them. But um, but when it comes down to um, what's your question, I think that, you know, we should be playing South Carolina. There's a lot of uh, regional rivalries and regional teams, the Marshals of the world, West Virginia, South Carolina. And in fact, I don't think we've ever played Clemson ever. Not that I know of. Um not to my knowledge, unless it was way, way back before my time. Mm. But um, those kind of games are the ones we're uh, missing out on. But anyway, uh, do you have anything before we let you go, man? I know we've uh, – I'm looking at the time and we're we're along. Yeah, time. now I was going to say this, man. I know you offered the, uh, the, uh, the, the East Carolina baseball experience at Clark LeClaire Stadium, bro. I'm already looking at the schedule. And I tell you what looks juicy, that uh, that Friday, Saturday against North Carolina, man, I think that'd be a fun one to come check out. I, I'm sure that'll be a hot ticket. That's oh, yeah. Very hot ticket. Well, if you do, <laughs> I'll, I'll make some phone calls, and I've got some time <laughs> too, so. I'm sure the jungle will be popping for that weekend, so. Oh, man, I tell you, that's uh, yeah. what I was going to tell you, is that North Carolina, North Carolina State, Duke, those, those um, ACC schools, Bubba yeah. can tell you that, they some of them don't want to play us, and I and in the past, I want to get into that, but but there's no doubt when East Carolina plays those ACC schools, if we go there in a away game or a home game, it's a it's a sellout without question. Oh, yeah, yeah, and football too. Anytime you want to come to a football game, let us know, we got you there too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to, love to. all right. Yeah. Well, appreciate you coming on, man. How can people follow your work? We appreciate your pot, your show, and and everything. Yeah, man. So at the Spurs Up show everywhere you can think, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, even TikTok. You know, we're on YouTube, uh, the SpursUpShow.com. We've also got a store, TSUS.store. You can find all our merchandise there. Uh, of course, podcast drops Monday, Wednesday, Friday on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcast. And then our live show, The Daily Crow, airs uh, Monday through Friday, noon to 2 on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, you don't have to be a Gamecock fan, by the way, to tune in and enjoy. We we have Georgia people calling in troll all the time. We have 
<laughs> Unfortunately, Clemson people call in Tennessee. Uh, it would just every fan base, man. You'd be we've, we've had Texas fans calling before. You'd be really surprised. But it's a really good time, man. It's a lot of fun, and, and, and especially the daily live show. People call in, and and sometimes those combos go off the rails a little bit, which makes it even more fun. But uh, yeah, man, the Spurs Up show anywhere and everywhere you can think, and uh, we have a blast doing it. And again, I appreciate you guys, Dave, Bubba, you guys having me on. And again, looking forward to a fun game on Saturday, and uh, I'll definitely be in touch with y'all about getting up to Greenville because. Like I mentioned, I, I'd love to come check it out. I've heard nothing but good things, and I know you guys like to have a good time, so I, I want to come see for myself. But uh, no, hey, I, I pre- yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. No, Bubba, tell him how how much that jungle is rocking. Oh yeah, I mean, he he saw but got a lot of comments from unbiased observers. Um, you know, both in attendance and just watching it on TV, and they, they said they couldn't believe the atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's it's unbelievable, really loud. Chris, man, thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. And if you want those tickets, let me know. We'll we'll hook you up. Yeah, boys, I appreciate it. Thank you all so much. I have a good night, my friend. Yeah, man, y'all too. All right, take care. All right, so I appreciate Chris Phillips there of the Spurs Up Show. Does a great job. And speaking of uh, doing a great job, Bubba, this guy is tremendous, a huge fan. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, from the Daily Reflector. Uh, hopefully we're uh, Patrick. Have you made your deadline? Are we keeping you from your deadline, my friend? Let's see if we can. Oh, uh, hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're on mute. There we go. What's up, guys? Last time I saw you the basketball game, I'm afraid. Are, you, are we keeping you from deadline? Or are you good? <laughs> no, no, it should be should be good. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that newspaper deadline is no fun. But you know, Patrick. Uh, with the fact that I find a good spot where the light doesn't kill me. Yes, lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, the light, the light's dividing your face into. Right. You, yeah, we, the fact that you know, like writers sometimes have writer's block. You covering all the sports. I, I'm worried for the opposite. Like you're going, oh my god, like um, overload. Like, wh- what story should I write today? Is that where? Is that what you're in now? Or is it? I mean, how can you have writer's block this time of year for Empire Nation? Yeah, you, you're totally right. I mean, there's, what, football happened, at least a bowl game. You got both basketball games. And that's the really big thing is the overlap, you know? It's like you got basketball one day. You got to talk to Coach Schwartz one day. You got basically just a lot, a lot going on. So, yeah, you know, honestly, <laughs> Ryder Block only hits me when I think I have the great idea. I go to the, uh, you know, post-game interviews. I hear all these quotes and go, oh, man, what do I write about? How do I start this thing? So, <laughs> you know, but. Now, Patrick, um, obviously, uh, one of the things you're writing about right now is uh, East Carolina football and the Pirates here in about a week and a half. Uh, we'll, we'll be taking on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers for the first time in football uh, down in Birmingham in the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. Uh, so before we talk about that matchup with the Chanticleers, and Pirates go 7-5 and five for a second straight season. Uh, what was your take on the 2022 Pirates? Man, all right. So I feel like a lot of my columns this year, because I, I was going through them the other day, a lot of them were, they sort of had the vibe of like, hey, you know, this is a good, a good football team, but at the same time, there's so much left on the table, right? Like, I feel like when you, when you kind of look back at this year, maybe say in 10 years, people are going to be like, man, remember that 2022 football team? Really talented. And yeah, they went seven and five. Yeah, they, they made a bowl game, but 
man, they could have been 10 and what is it, 10 and three or nine and four. And there, there's so much left on the table. I feel like where this this year was it was a good season, but it was also just kind of a man, we were so close kind of season. Does, does that make sense? Does that, does that sort of kind of feel accurate? Yeah, I was, yeah, for me, Patrick, I was going to say that what it feels like for me is exactly that. You know, it's like a, what could have been, what should have been, you know, that sort of thing, could have, should have, would have. But also the fact that uh, what's, uh, but what I'm seeing it as is like, you know, like the team that's on the verge of greatness, like a yeah. season that will blow our mind. Like, I'm not saying next year, so don't misunderstand. People think that I'm like, you know, like as far as being optimist, uh, the opti- ultimate optimist, but. You know, it's like one of those things where the 1990 season, or like Bubba said, one of those seasons right before the Skip Holtz era with the uh, championships back-to-back in Conference USA, it just has that feeling like these are the guys that laid down the foundation for the future that, wow, you know, that we're going to win double-digit wins, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl. I'm just throwing things out there. Like, that's the way I, I get what you're saying, but the feeling I have is – and Pirate Nation is like, it's, we're on the verge of something special. I don't know if it's next year or the year after, but I just get, that's my gut feeling is that's what hurts the most is when you think we shouldn't have lost to NC State. The Navy game, are you kidding me? The coach is now fired, you know, like there's uh, several games in there that we should have won, we didn't. Yeah. And I guess it works both ways. There are games like the Memphis game, we maybe should not have won that we won. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Football is kind of like that, right? Where, like you said, the Memphis game, that could easily go the other way, and then you're looking at some disaster sort of scenario. But my, I guess my thing is, like, you, you had the quarterback this year. Um, you know, who knows what Mason, Mason Garcia could be. could be phenomenal. But the thing is, like, you had the quarterback, and that's the biggest thing about football, right? Like, you have this guy you can sort of trust. You know, he knows what's happening, and now is the year you go make a move. But, you know, I also understand that at the same time is like success for this program is making another bowl game. It's continuing the success. You know, if you get six, if you go six and six, you're like, you know, what, what did we just do? Um, so getting that last win in Temple is huge. Like I said, you know, playing, playing for the future. And yeah, you've you got to keep building on this thing. But like you said, I mean, this, this is a, you know, it's a good season. You know, these seniors did set out to do what they set out to do, which is great. You just gotta, you know, you gotta, gotta figure it out and kind of find a way to build on this. And it'll probably be difficult, but at the same time, it's like you did lay that foundation. There is a baseline of success of the season now, or for this team now, which is which hasn't been there for years. You know, it's been a long time. Yeah, you, you talk about Holton Ayler's, um excellent senior season for Holton, uh, and hopefully he and the the guys will be able to go out with that eighth win, uh, winning eight games for the first time since 2014. But um, one of the things that uh, really stood out about Holton's performance this year, um, the last six games after the Pirates were three and three, um, we were coming off a game um, where we had lost down in New Orleans to a Tulane team that's in the Cotton Bowl, ten and two, or I guess eleven and two now, and um, and Holton and the guys, and they they did not turn the ball over in the final six games, and that's I don't remember another six game stretch and my 30 years of watching or 30 plus years of watching East Carolina football where we did not turn the ball over. Like no team does that, which is so incredible, right? Like you can look at the professional team. You can look at any college team. No team just goes for that long of a stretch without turning the ball over. So that was incredible. I mean, I think the offense really 
really showed up this year. I mean, there's a lot of times where the defense gave up so many passing yards and um, just a lot of points sometimes. And I mean, there, there's also some games, sure, where, you know, I think it was Tulane, right? We scored nine points. Um, yeah, you can kind of blame that on the offense. But there were so many times, like like you said, where the offense is just really confident. You know, they're scoring points. They're moving the ball like, like we should move the ball. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that was incredible to see because, like you said, that, that doesn't happen often and to not turn the ball over for that long. I mean, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's really hard to do. No doubt about it. And, Patrick, with, uh, with this season uh, now with – you know, you have the unlimited uh, practices for the Pirates are getting valuable reps. Another great thing about the bowl uh, is these guys have time off where they can heal. I think that's going to be interesting to see as, as far as um, there's guys that obviously there's a difference between being hurt and injured. Injured to me is somebody that can't really play. Uh, hurt is what football players are. They're going to be banged up this time of year. But it's going to be interesting to see how well these guys can hold up uh, for a bowl game, you have uh, a lot of storylines, too, for you. Um, Grayson McCall, something I didn't know. I thought this is my ignorance on this whole thing because it's such a new thing with the transfer portal. I thought once you declared for the transfer portal that you wouldn't be able to play for your team. And now all of a sudden you can right. play for your team. You can declare, you can play for the team. It's just crazy. Yeah, the whole transfer portal thing is nuts. But it's also, like you said, it's weird that you can say, hey, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here next year, but also I'm, I'm going to play for you one more time. And I feel like the whole point, like if you're, if you're, if you're going in the transfer portal, a lot of, a lot of the times you're saying I'm going to stay healthy for either the draft. I'm not happy with my playing time, or I just want to stay healthy for, you know, another team. And, you know, this kid says, Hey, I, I want to leave, but at the same time, I really want to play, which it's, it kind of goes against everything, right. That the transfer portal transfer portal kind of stands for. Um, and I, I don't know. I, for me, I think it's kind of neat because I think the whole point of these bowl games is you just want players to play. You kind of want all these players. I mean, there's some bowl games that are going out there that are like neither starting quarterback is playing. There's no skill position players playing. And you're kind of like, what's the point of this game? So I, I don't know. It, it's odd, but I, I kind of like that he's playing. It, it seems like a weird thing, but I kind of like that he's playing, but also saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to try something else. Yeah, definitely adds to the game uh, from that standpoint. Uh, but it's, it's something that we asked Chad Staggs and the interim head coach and defense coordinator for Coastal about when we talked to him a couple days ago. And he said it was just a situation uh, where, you know, with all he's accomplished there, uh, he being Grayson McCall, uh, three-time Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year, and the respect that he had of his teammates, that they were they were good with it. But, uh, um, you know, each situation is differently, and we don't know all the variables, but you had East Carolina starting center, Avery Jones, who had played the majority of the snaps for the Pirates at that position, um, choose to enter the portal, and he's ending up at uh, Illinois. Um, but, um, you know, had he, had he not gone ahead and, um, you know, progressed with that as he did, uh, it would have been very odd him playing in the game and then moving on to Illinois or wherever. Yeah, it definitely would have been weird. And, you know, even like Ryan Jones said he's leaving um, to focus on the you know NFL. And, yeah, it's going to be weird. And even like we're going to watch ECU in a couple of weeks here and Avery Jones isn't going to be under center. So Holt Naylor is going to get new snaps from somebody else. So it's going to it's going to look weird. Like the whole the whole thing about this transfer portal and 
and just the bowl games in general. It's, it's been really weird. You know what I'm saying? Like the last couple of weeks where there's a lot of players that you're used to seeing who just aren't going to play or in like, you know, Grayson McCall's situation is he's going to say, Hey, I'm also leaving, but can I play one more game? <laughs> you know, like, can I, can I stick around? And so it, it's definitely kind of an odd situation for these bowl games, but I guess it is what it is. And it's kind of the new normal. We're all going to have to kind of figure out how to dance around a little bit. Well, yeah. What I don't understand about the whole Ryan Jones thing is, okay, you come back, you know, you're a Charlotte kid, you're Oklahoma, you come back, you could have played in a game last year, which is not his fault with Boston college. And I'm going, okay. Um, you can actually get hurt. Players get hurt actually at the NFL combine. Um, you have to obviously be invited to the combine. Um, you know, do I think he has NFL talent? Of course, but there's a lot of guys we have on our team that has NFL talent that never make it. So it's really difficult. It's not as easy as opting out, working out. I can work right. out with Patrick at the Y and I'm going to make as great as I am. I'm going to, I'm just saying that I'm not really that great and I'm old. Um, but it's not, it's not going to happen. So, um, not to say they won't happen for him. I'm just saying that these young people of today need to be careful of listening to certain people. You know, grandma might tell you you're great to win American Idol. That doesn't mean you're going to win American (laughs) Idol. Grandpa might tell you you're good enough to make the NFL. That doesn't mean that you're going to make the NFL. And I just worry for guys like him. I don't want to sound like, um, get off my lawn an 80 year old man. I understand what, why they're doing it. But at the same time, I wonder, like, you could have an amazing game in that bowl game and it could help your draft status. And maybe that might be the edge, Patrick. That's what I was going to say for the difference of you making the NFL and not is a game, a really big bowl game. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely that aspect where you can say, hey, I can, you know, I can score three touchdowns or two touchdowns and have a good game. I mean, because we all, I mean, I'm sure you guys were there too, but you know, for the, the pro days, I'm thinking about last year, Tyler Sneed and Jaquan McMillan and I'm thinking, what, DJ Ford and all these guys. I'm watching their pro day, and, yeah, they're doing these cone drills and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, a lot of them just go undrafted. I mean, it's very competitive to get drafted. You know what I'm saying? It's difficult. It's not like saying, all right, I'm going to, you know, forego this game and just I'm going to sign to the team. Like, that's just not how it works, right? Like, you got to, you know, you got to – I think a lot of your tape, like like you were mentioning earlier, a lot of your tape tells you what these teams are going to think about you. I mean, one, one pro day is going to do what for you, you know? So maybe if you, you just got to keep adding to your tape and keep adding to your skill set. I don't think some cone drill is really going to change a team's mind, but maybe if you kind of go off against a good defensive back or have a really good game, I mean, that can always help you more, I think, than than some of this other stuff. But, you know, the transfer porter, portal is what it is. It's, it's just an opportunity for these kids to say, hey, I might not be playing right now, but I'm going to try to play, I guess. And maybe it's at a different level, but I just want to play. And I guess that's at the root of it. That's just what sports is. Kids just want to play. And it, it's kind of, we're kind of in an odd spot, especially when team or kids start, you know, opting out of bowl games. It's kind of in a weird spot right now. And it, it just is what it is. Going back to the situation at center, um, I, I asked Mike Houston at today's, uh, you know, Birmingham Bowl press conference, uh, you know, what the plans were there, who it looked like would get the start, and not surprisingly, as had been the case in in other press conferences where he was asked by other members of the media just uh, when when they were discussing what the plans were there at center, he was very noncommittal, uh, just addressing it in very general terms. 
Yeah, yeah. I think we talked to him that at least the media availability we had when we were in person with him, he was essentially saying, you know, we're only going to talk about the players that are here. Um, I mean, which is fine. I mean, that's what coach speak is. You know, you talk about the players you have, and yeah, and I'm, I'm honestly kind of curious what they are going to do at center. And I wonder if it's going to be. I think the real question we all have to ask ourselves is: Is it going to be a, a long-term solution, or is it going to be a kind of a stopgap for one game, and then we'll reassess in the off-season kind of situation? And, and that's kind of really the question I'm kind of looking forward to, to answering in the future, because I think a lot of these bowl games, you're gonna you're gonna see some different players in different spots. And I think the real question is: Is this a, is this a player we can count on in the future, or do we have to kind of you know juice this up and with it? transfer portal or the you know signings i i just really hope it doesn't lead to um you know, we've been very good in the penalty department this year and hope it doesn't lead to some some false starts and then also obviously <laughs> the center makes a, a lot of calls along the, the offensive line there um with the quarterback so um it, uh, at least you have a veteran signal caller that can help out with that kind of thing but uh but but yeah, ho- hopefully it doesn't rear its head as it could. No doubt, and uh, <clears throat> the fact that Avery Jones did us a favor by uh, by announcing his le- leaving, which gave us enough time to at least have some attempt. It's not like this week or next week, you know, saying bye. Right. Um, and also, uh, by the way, uh, for fans listening about Ryan Jones, I will say this: that I was disappointed. He's one of the players that uh, I'm trying to be careful the way I say it, but he's one of the players that was not happy with the senior day and the fact all the attention on Holton. And um, there's been some hard feelings about um, that's one of the things I was going to talk to you about, Patrick, is uh, generically speaking, there's been some hard feelings with Holton Naylor's getting a lot of NIL deals. It's something we as soon as the NIL thing came down, we have no issues with uh, the pay- players getting paid because they are bringing money into the program and uh, they're entrepreneurs. And just like all of us can get paid for a gig, they should be as well. But uh, we mentioned early on in those t- talks about the NIL, uh, would it be, we brought up the example too, uh, would it be any kind of like pushback? Would there be any kind of uh, hard feelings for say an offensive lineman or D lineman when you have the kid from Greenville, but that's the thing. He's a local kid. That's why he's getting a lot of NIL deals. It has nothing to do with them. And it's just disappointing for me, for them to, um, to be so hard on Holton and that. So. Uh, I get the, when, when you're talking about that, I, I just couldn't help but smiling. I mean, for a little while, I, I'll start with this for a little while. Like I, I covered high school, high school football and, no matter what, like if the running back scores touchdowns or if the, the quarterback throws touchdowns, people are going to talk to him. People are worried about that. You know, we're going to talk to this person. Like, I, I feel like, like you just have to go into this. If you're a football player, you have to understand that the quarterback, whether yes. right or wrong, handles all of these responsibilities. And if you're upset as a player that this person is getting attention or getting NIL deals, well, he, he does a lot for the team and not only just for the football team. I mean, he handles responsibilities that you don't have to like Holton Naylor's talk to us every single week after every game, win or lose Holton Naylor's is standing yeah. up. There. I mean, we're not talking to a, an offensive lineman every single game. Like, I mean, like I said, win or lose, he play, has a great game. He plays terrible. Holton Naylor's is standing up there and saying, Hey guys, here's my thoughts on this game. Either I screwed it up. I helped this win. Like he's up there answering questions. And I think that goes a lot 
that goes a long way for both the the public perception of like you're you're kind of the face of the program right as a quarterback and also it, it, just in the community i mean the quarterback of the football team gets all of this shine whether you like it or not i mean you can be an awesome tight end and you know you, you can get your due but it's it's just never never going to be as important as the quarterback which is probably the most important position in all sports honestly like if you're a good quarterback you make your team shine like it's just, it's just what is what it is yeah like you're saying from all i can gather um you know from afar it seems like holt nailers has handled this uh about as well as you could as far as the being in the spotlight and the, the NIL deals on um, the built when broken and doing uh, what he can to, to get his teammates a, a slice of the pie and uh, get some money in their pocket. Yeah. And even, even just not even from that aspect, like, yeah, you, you can definitely do that. But I just feel like if you're the quarterback right or wrong, you're getting the shine. You know what I mean? It's almost as simple as that. We're like, you know, it's you. It's your football team. Like I think it's as simple as that. Like quarterback is going to get the the lion's share of the praise and a lion's share of the fault. And what comes with that, you know, comes good. And sometimes you're going to get scathed, and it is what it is. And I would like to, and and I'm not trying to make this about. I I really like Ryan Jones, so let me make that very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one question I would ask, the tough question I would ask Ryan Jones is, Ryan. When have you ever had the criticism that Holt Nailers has gotten? You know, Mike, he's gotten more criticism than Mike Houston. And right. he's been at the lowest point. You know, you want to, and Ryan, let me tell you this also, Ryan, you actually left a school. Uh, Holton could have left. Holton could have signed. Even Alabama called him at the 11th hour. So all these people that liked it, Holton, I'm not trying to defend Holton or beat up here, but. The one thing I will say is that he, uh, you were talking about, you know, the quarterback, he got a lot of criticism uh, throughout his career that was sometimes maybe justified, but most of the time it was not. And uh, his dad's a heck of a guy to the point of people saying the only reason he was playing is because mm-hmm. his dad was a PA announcer, which is so not true. Um, if you know anything about Mike Houston. So it's just funny how the crazy comments have been made by, um, and you know, Patrick, how much I love our fan base and I'm an alum. Um, but you know, for people to be sulking and not playing a bowl game, I'm sorry, I'm gonna call you out. Uh, I'm doing my Matt Simmons impersonation, one of the other co-hosts on here. Um, just because you didn't get the love you felt like you deserved and now you're playing, you know, to that's fine, you know, because he's a senior and I get it, but I, I just think it's crazy that you're not going to play. You've worked your tail off at a school. Last year, you had the disappointment because Boston College pulled out and didn't play the game. And now you have a chance to really end the, you know, um, I, I don't think another thing is our kids of today are not thinking about the legacy, Patrick. You know, we're getting ready to talk about basketball, but uh, you take a Jaden Gardner. Uh, Jaden Gardner was like our, I mean, breaking all kinds of records. He leaves and yeah, he's done all right at Virginia, but he like it's the big fish in a small pond you know, kind of thing. He could be the big fish, you know. Um, but anyway, I don't want to ramble on about that. Let's talk about basketball <laughs> uh, coming up on Saturday, which is confusing because it's not Greenville, North Carolina. It's Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, they're in the upstate as the Pirates are taking on the Gamecocks. I'm really si- excited about it because as we're talking about our previous guest, I feel like that Pirate Nation, that the Pirates, we love playing South Carolina. It's a regional rivalry. It's not the 
Duke, North Carolina, Clemson, South Carolina kind of rivalry or East Carolina, NC State rivalry. But it's uh, got a great feel anytime you can play the Gamecocks. Yeah, it's, it's like a big team that kind of feels gettable. You know what I mean? It, I think it's definitely an exciting matchup. And I'm I'm really excited about this basketball team. I know, I think, what are they, 7-4, 7-3? Um, but I think they're really exciting, honestly. Just just the way that Mike Schwartz kind of talks about this stuff. And I think, I think the most interesting thing about this team is that Mike Schwartz came in talking about defense, and the defense is not there whatsoever. Like, that is probably the biggest lacking part about this whole team. Um, but they've been able to score, like, in the 80s, like, all the time. So I think it's kind of a, a unique spot where, like, I almost wonder if uh, Mike Schwartz is kind of like, all right, like, this is this is kind of what I'm seeing, and I don't know if I expected this. Like, I almost think he's kind of rolling with it like we are, you know, because that's all we heard coming into the preseason was defense, defense, defense. We're going to have these guys playing great defense. And we have, honest, to be fair, we have not seen that through 11, 12 games this year. Yeah, and uh, the thing that uh, 7 and 4 Pirates, um, the the interesting thing, and I want to look at that, the neutral site, they're 2 and 1 and 0 oh and 2. Obviously, the way is uh, obviously a concern, but, you know, uh, it's very difficult to run when on the road, but the neutral site thing, I I just have, maybe I'm uh, too optimistic again. I got a good feeling about Saturday, Patrick. I really do. I think we have a shot at the game and that's all you can ask for in any game is yeah. you and I are not going, uh, well, Dave, this is going to be a long night, my friend, uh, buckle up. It's actually a game that where the pirates could really win. It's going to be a competitive ball game. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think it's really just like, like Javon Small, I, I can keep looking at him. He's he's leading the the team in scoring. It's like 18 points a game. And if you look at him last year, he was just a guy. Like he was a guy who just appeared on the court for like some garbage time stuff. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my goodness, he can hit step backs. He can drive the lane. Like, oh my goodness, where'd he come from? Ezra Asar, incredible. I mean, the freshman, he is, that dude knows what he's doing. Like if he, he's a guy who's really smart on the court. So if he has the ball, he just recognizes a mismatch. He takes him to the hole. There's so many times where I've watched East Carolina basketball and I'm saying, like, 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 for instance, last year, I'm looking at Vance Jackson, you know, just a, a physical specimen. I'm saying, man, just take this dude to the rack or do something. But Ezra, Ezra does that, right? Like, Ezra just goes, like, I'm almost like, you know, was it innocent enough or naive enough to just say, who cares? I'm a freshman. I'm just going to go to the rim and I'm going to do something. Like, he had 18 points in 22 minutes or something last week. But he does keep falling out. But there are those points in this basketball team where it's like Javon Small, like a revelation. Ezra, a great revelation. So I'm starting, I'm starting to see these pieces develop. Um, but at the same time, it's still a very raw basketball team where there, like you said, there are nights where you go, hey, like, yeah, we could probably beat South Carolina. But then there's also a, a night where you could lose by 30 and go, well, <laughs> you know, that's kind of what we expected. So but it 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 instills fun, if you know what I'm saying. We're like you can kind of go into a game and go, yeah, like if, if guys play, like we, we can beat this team. And Patrick, I think it's, uh, speaking of being naive, like for me, like the team has a lot of great pieces on it, but the problem is um, that they haven't had the chemistry. You know, if you're somebody that doesn't know sports or doesn't know in this particular case, basketball, it, it's more than putting five dudes that can play basketball. They've got to be able to right. play together like a well-oiled machine. And that's what, for me, I think that they've done a nice job uh, with recruiting and getting these guys in and the guys to stay to buy in and and all that. I think the, what I'm curious to see 
is not in the non-conference because I think it's for the most part, except for South Carolina State, that's a whole other show, as they say. <laughs> but for the most part, it's going exa- it's going pretty much what we would expect. What's going to be the difference for me is um, when we start the conference play, and hopefully by then the, the rubber will meet the road with the conference play, and those guys will, in January and February, will start to really play together. Because it sounds like you're closer to the team than I am. Patrick, sounds like those guys are really like hanging out and they're real dudes and they're they're having yeah. fun together on and off the court. Oh yeah, yeah. We've talked. I think it's uh, um, just a couple guys are root- like Javon Small, Brandon Johnson. I'm pretty sure are roommates. And I mean, all the time that they, they just talked about just meshing off the court. And I feel like that's really cliche in what we do, right? When we talk about sports, you know, these guys are friends that like each other. Um, but for a basketball team, I feel like that goes further than other sports if that makes sense because every single time on the court you're moving you kind of have to anticipate where one guy's going and i think we're kind of seeing that i think i think we're kind of seeing guys enjoying play with playing with each other and even some of these uh transfers like Jaden walker from iowa state like we're kind of seeing how he's able to move off the ball like i feel like some there's some games like especially last year i don't think we didn't really see that that much we saw a lot of like iso ball kind of like your turn my turn kind of stuff and this year, we're definitely kind of seeing like, hey, let's get you involved. Let's get me involved. And we're kind of seeing like a kind of a more free flowing sort of offense, which which I think is great. But I also think like the defense sort of needs to somehow find find its way as well in that, in that scenario. Yeah. Brandon Johnson has averaging 13 and nine right at a double double. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that last year really surprised me. And I know Coach Dooley, they brought him in and man, uh, he's he's been great. And, you know, you get. I'll tell you another one that um, that I look to that I really like winning the dunk competition back Minji's um, madness was um, is R.J. Felton. I really love that guy. I just his play even last year, you know, and you were talking about you made a great point about Javon Small. I think one thing about our society that kills me is we're a pop tart society, meaning we're instant gratification. Like Javon Small comes in. He's supposed to have 23 points a game. And yeah, we have these McDonald Americans. We have these guys that are lottery picks after one year, but there's also <laughs> guys like that. They just need a chance. They need to come in and learn the college lifestyle of going to class and all the study yeah. halls and all the pra- all that mess that you have to go through in college. And I feel like with Javon Small, it's like it's not that he was. It's not like that Dooley was um, was like misusing him. I think it's just you're starting to see like the guys, the game, what I'm trying to search for and getting to now, the game is slowing down for him where now it's his game and he's really seeing the court very well, the vision and and all that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like there was never a point last year. I mean, like you you're, you're, you included, there's never a time where you're like, man, all this team needs is Javon Small, right? Like there was never a time when any of us were clamoring for Javon Small. But like you said, you know, he got a little bit more comfortable. I remember I remember talking to him at, at media days and I was asking him just about that. And I was saying, hey, like, you know, you have the opportunity to be like the point guard for this new coach, this new team. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I've, I really worked hard in the offseason to kind of get into this role and just kind of figure out when I go to class. How do I sleep? How do I go to work out? Like, you know, there's a lot of that stuff in college. You kind of have to figure out. You can't just roll into it because in high school everything is so structured and I know at some points colleges too where hey you, know, you got practice class but you still have to figure out that that aspect and I think you know this year Javon really kind of understands his role as a basketball player and 
he is also given the opportunity to say, hey, you know, you're, you're going to get 25 minutes or however many, 30 minutes. I think he's playing this year, 35 minutes, whatever it is. You know, just you're on the court. You're you're kind of directing this offense, figure it out. And, and it's been great for him. But, you know, like last year, he just maybe he wasn't ready for that. There was no one, you know, like that team just didn't need this version of Javon Small. Like, it, it, you know, it, it's just kind of nice to see the progression from year to year. No doubt about it. In fact, you're talking about Ezra Sar, man. He is so quick, and if he stays healthy, he could possibly rewrite the record books. That guy, six nine, what is he, two fifteen, something like that. I mean, he's really athletic. Two forty, two forty, forty. Okay, two forty. Um, amazing, amazing size, quickness. Just the way that he can get from point A to B on. I know that we've talked about that, but it's uh, A to B. He's so fast, and you don't expect that from. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to wrap my head around that, Patrick. He's six foot nine. Yeah, and he's that fast. Yeah, just a, right. And I think what, what comes down to him, at least what I've been able to watch, is decision making. So he gets that ball like right in the low post, and like he he doesn't mess around too much. He just goes, "I'm going to take my guy to the rim, or I'm going to give it up." But it's like that decision making is so quick. And he, a lot of the times, makes the right decision. Like, offensively, he's he's taking this guy to the rack and he's going to score. What what his problem is, I've asked Mike Schwartz about this multiple times in the postgame. Like, he needs to just limit fouls. And, and that just kind of comes with growing up, too, just kind of learning how to play defense at this, this level and move your feet and stuff. But, I mean, offensively, he's really fun to watch because he does get that ball and goes – like, he knows what he wants to do with it. You know, like, I always bring this back to, like, I was a baseball player growing up and, like, if you know baseball, any good little league coach is going to tell you, like, where do, if you get the ball, where is it going? You know what I mean? Like, like think ahead. And I feel like Ezra does a really good job of that on the basketball court, of just thinking ahead. Like, when he gets that ball, like, he just knows what, what to do with it. And it's really fun to watch. No doubt about it. And I'll tell you, uh, two things, two fundamentals of the game. You're talking about the fouling out, but also – if you, if you know a guy that I love that, that's my type of basketball, my style, by the way, the attacking, just uh, take the ball yeah. to the rack, slam it. Good things can happen, especially if you learn to player control, you know, not obviously to get a charge, draw that. But uh, the fact of his free throw shooting, isn't it like 40%, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, if that. Like, so, I, but to be fair, like the whole team is really struggling. Like Javon Small and I mean RJ Felton, to his credit too, is hitting. He doesn't have as many opportunities, but those are the only two guys hitting free throws for yeah. the basketball team right now. Everyone else is just underwater. It, it's kind of tough, honestly. That that's got to be, and that's I think that's the most fixable type of thing. You kind of got to look at yourself a little bit and say, hey, no one's guarding you. Just just make this shot, kind of thing. Like, you know, if they make five more a game, and I know it seems like a lot, but I mean it's out there for them. They they need to start making some free throws and there can be a lot of, you know, tied switches in these games if they start making these free throws because it's really like two guys making shots other than that. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Too many points left at the paint. Uh, yeah. Uh, for sure. Another thing that comes to mind is, uh, and Bubba's, uh, um, I, this is way out of my wheelhouse, but I believe off the top of my head and help me, Patrick, I think that Ezra is uh, averaging 3.3 rebounds a game. A guy 6'9", I would love to see him, I don't know, I mean, it doesn't have to be obviously 10 a game, but it needs to be closer to 10 than 4. Yeah, it needs to be a lot more. I think a lot of with him is, like, he's just really dealing with foul trouble. I think for him to bang inside, I mean, I know rebound isn't necessarily like a huge foul situation, but I think for him, it, it's just like opportunity-based. Like, he, he 
kind of creates a lot of fouls for himself. He, he doesn't play a lot at the end of first halves. And just for him to get in the mix of all that, like, I think it's just kind of tough for him right now. I think, I mean, I think he'll, he'll develop into it, but just kind of watching him play, like he, he's really sure offensively, but I think defensively he really kind of struggles. And it's like, do I go up for this? Do I go over the back? Do I, do I get mixed up in this? So I think he's, he's kind of picking his spots a little bit at the moment. Let's talk about uh, with the bowl game, uh, or the, as far as the two o'clock on Saturday upstate when Greenville, South Carolina, well, what do you think the keys of the game? What I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, Pirates uh, on the road. I know that the neutral site two and one, as we mentioned, zero oh and two. What do you think they have to do to get a dub there in, in the upstate? I think I think it's so. Like every time I watch them, there's always like an eight minute lull of scoring, right? Like so they'll play great, they'll they'll play some good defense, they'll score some points, and then all of a sudden there's like a seven to eight minute stretch where they just just don't score the basketball. And I, I know it's easy to say and like you watch it and go, what the heck? You know, pick it up, score some, score some points, figure it out. But I, I think for them as a team to kind of work through those lulls is huge. Like if you can kind of figure that out, um, I, I think they'll be fine. And I think that's honestly the biggest key is to just try to like avoid those giant stretches of not scoring points. Like if you can just go two or three minutes and kind of figure it out, you'll you'll be fine. And I think I think that's kind of the key to win. Just don't go. I got you. Yeah, I got you back now. There we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you, obviously, uh, too, about women's basketball. We go. We got a couple more sports to go. I'm trying to make it as fast as we can. Oh, um, okay. You cover, you cover so many sports now. Um, everybody, the Daily Reflector, Patrick Mason needs a raise. Uh, I'll say it. He, I'll be the bad guy. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as Kim McNeil and the women's team. Um, Talk a little bit about the women's team, and uh, I know they, um, unfortunately, I believe they lost uh, the other night. The, the, um, that uh, they lost. Was that today, Gardner Webb? Yep. Yeah, they, they lost this morning to Gardner Webb. Yeah, it seems like it was last night. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they lost uh, sixty-seven to fifty-nine. Yeah. So their their defense wasn't as effective today. Like so. All right, East Carolina women's basketball is the top team in the country forcing turnovers coming into this game almost 28 a game is incredible so i mean they're they're really really good at you know jumping passing lanes and just making it tough on you but today they only forced 21 turnovers gardner webb kind of figured them out after the first quarter um they kind of just so the first quarter gardner webb was just making all these ridiculous cross-court passes kind of getting jammed up in the press and they were like hey why, why, why are we playing like this let's just relax a little bit um, play a little more smooth, and they kind of—I don't, I don't want to say figured out the ECU defense, but in a way, they, they just kind of like made things simpler on themselves. They just got a, like one one quick pass into the post, scored, and kind of moved on. Um, I, but really, I mean, it's kind of like the same story for for a couple of years now. For a lot of years, it's just there's not enough offense, right, for East Carolina women's basketball. It's just the the offense really isn't there. Like there's. They go plenty of stretches where they'll force a lot of turnovers and stop points, and then they're, they're going to score eight themselves in the quarter. There's just too many times where they just don't score points, and and that's really been their downfall because the defense has been incredible. I mean, they truly, like, like I said, top team in the nation coming in forcing turnovers. They, they are a good defense. They just they just can't score. Well, that was my you, you stole my thunder right there, but I <laughs> guess that's uh, for me is like the obvious. But 
Um, that's what I'm praying for is I really like Kim McNeil. She's been great to us uh, personally yeah. and obviously the show. I really like her, Coach Corey, all those folks. And if we can get the offense going this season or if it's beyond whatever, um, then like you said, the defense has been stellar it's, for the most part. It's been uh, – you want to talk about droughts for offense, uh, for the guys, I think the ladies as well, it's been – a lot of uh, times where we just couldn't score and you got to, yeah. you know, I remember the uh, starting out at Radiant Greenville, we had a, I don't even know, you're too young to know her, but there was a ESPN uh, radio um, personality. Her name was the fabulous sports babe. And um, anyway, <laughs> so she, uh, she always had this one go-to every time it would drive me nuts, but it really is true. Score more points. And that's yeah. what sports is all about, score more points. And that's great that we can play defense, but ultimately we have to score more points. Yep. And I, I look at this, uh, it's kind of a – actually, I was thinking about this today, right? So I watched the ECU men's game, and their rotation really didn't get deeper than about six guys the past, past time out, right? Like no more than six guys played um, double-digit minutes. So it was a really tight rotation for the ECU men. And when you go to the women, they routinely play like 11 to 13, like the whole roster, 11 to 13 players. I'm not saying a lot of them get the bulk of the minutes, but they're, it's almost like a hockey, right? Where you just got you new, new players. And that is sort of what is required to play defense at the, the high level that, that, the, that they do. And I think, I'm, I guess I'm wondering, it's like for you to be like the, the top you know, turnover forcing team in the country. They defend the three so well because they're running, they're they're jumping out to defend stuff. It's like you're giving up so much on offense. You know, like they 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 do such a good job, but they, they just can't figure it out on offense. And I wonder if there is a happy medium and even if, you know, Coach McGill wants to play the happy medium. Like I, I you know from her perspective, it's like let's stop everyone. Let's let's hold everyone to fifty points. Which is great, but if you you know like like today a team scores sixty seven on you, you can't score sixty seven sometimes, and you're gonna lose. So it, you're kind of caught in the, in the middle a little bit, but you know you get a lot of these some new transfers, and you hope they inject some offense. And but really, it just comes down to like the returners just playing awesome defense, and like it's great. But like you said, you got to score more points than the other team to win. So you're kind of caught in a hard place, but. Yeah, in fact, uh, they had 25 turnovers, one in 13. Thank you, Bubba, from three. He's the, yeah. he's the stats guy. He's the numbers guy, not me. But one of 13 from three. That's You're not going to win a lot of games, my friend. And and that's been them all year, to be fair. Like, they, they really have not shot the three-point ball well at all, like, all year. Um, like, like literally all year. They, they haven't done it. And and that, that's what basketball is now. you got to hit threes on people. Yeah. You defends it three well. That's fine. But if you're going to make, like you said, one three today and you're going to lose the turnover battle, like you can't expect to win. Even against a team you should beat. You should beat Gardner-Webb, honestly. That should be a win. And uh, Bubba wants to ask about Amaya Joyner. How is she doing? She She's doing really well. I think, I think when she plays, she, she's really assertive. Um, but I, I think Amaya Joyner gets a lot of the – um, the talk because she's she's a really high recruit. She's also from Farmville Central. She, you know she's a nearby high school. But I think all of the freshmen, like Jayla Herp, another freshman, she's she's been incredible for ECU. Um, Bobby Smith, um, another great freshman. Honestly, all three of the freshmen are playing really well. Um, Jayla Herp is probably, if I had to pick one of the three, has probably been the most standout freshman uh, of the three of Amaya Joiner and um, Bobby Smith. 
um, Jayla just plays this aggressiveness that it's really fun to watch. Like she, she acts like she's a senior. She drives the lane. She's, she's battling. She's really tough. Um, Amaya, you can clearly tell she has great talent. She's really, really talented. I think she needs to kind of just find her role. She needs to find the, find the speed of the game and kind of adjust a little bit. But um, really, I think the highlight of this season are all, all three freshmen. Um, because tonight, like, for instance, today, Danae McNeil, lead, leading scorer for the Pirates, she scored eight points in the first half, didn't score again in the second half. It's like you, you can't, like, right. and you know, uh, as, as part of the thing with this team, it's like if you need some offense, your leading scorer has just got to take over. You say Danae, score every time for us. Like you you got you to gotta figure out something, but – but I mean, you know, if you want to talk about Amaya Joyner, I think I think she's great, and I think all three freshmen are, are really really something. I think those are the things you really got to be happy about this year. No doubt. Let's move to baseball because uh, I'm chomping at the bit. And by the way, I got my <laughs> um, tickets today. Definitely in the uh, in the jungle, but um, okay. I want to folks, if you if you uh, want tickets, even in the jungle, you better go ahead and get them now. I mean, I can't believe. Um, I'm not surprised overall, though, when you think about how great Cliff Godwin is as a person, pirate, the heights he's taken this program is amazing. I don't think that we would ever imagine at the level, you know, the expectations that we have now. Um, there was always expectations, but I think even, I hate to use a cliche, but I think even the expectations are at a higher level than we've ever had at the university, the history of our program. And to think about all the great stuff he's bringing, like the down the left field, the premium seating and all the, the locker room and all that stuff. And Pirate Nation stepping up uh, again with the construction. Uh, we're going to have all that stuff. And uh, I think Omaha is only a matter mm-hmm. of time. I hope that you and I can hang out in Omaha in June. Yeah. Um, but what are you feeling like for the Pirates going into the season? I know we're a little early, but it, it doesn't feel like uh, it's too early. No, it was like two months away, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how, how stuff stuff pops up on you. Um, I guess just kind of looking at um, what they did in the fall, it sounded like a lot of the pitchers, like a lot of the young pitchers, pitched really well in the fall. Yeah. And I, I know, you know, like performing in the fall is what it is, but I, I think it kind of shows that like all of those guys are just primed for next steps. You know, I'm talking about like uh, – Who's, who's that freshman pitcher? Um, Jake Hunter, you know, guys like that. Um, Merritt Beaker. I mean, just stuff, guys like that who kind of had, like, you know, Merritt especially, like, kind of a limited role in the bullpen, but obviously showed some some talent when he was called upon. Jake Hunter getting a ton of Sunday starts, and I guess he was just balling out in the, in the fall practices. And, I mean, can't, I mean, I am personally am so excited to see what Jacob Jenkins Howard has in the second year. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible as a freshman. I mean, that's just, like, middle of the lineup stalwart, like, just go get them kind of guy. Um, you know, just, I, I think I, I, I too, am really excited about this team. Obviously you're going to have to fill holes like Zach Agnos and CJ Mayhew. Um, but I guess that's like any year, right? You're going to have to fill some holes and plug some holes, but I think what's coming back is really exciting. And I mean, just kind of what we saw with what Cliff recruited, um, you can definitely see some guys, you know, making some impacts right away too. Like you said, it's like two months away. It's crazy to think about no doubt, but if you want your tickets, ecupirates.com, you can go there or 1-800-DIAL-ECU. Let your fingers do the walking. And Patrick, uh, let's talk real quick before we get out of here. Uh, thank you again for your patience and your generosity. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, what about uh, the bowl um, as far as your coverage? Can you talk about that? What you guys, do you have like, like a plan already in place with less than two weeks? <laughs> Yeah, um, 
so like this week, uh, you guys probably got the email, but you know, there's no media availability this week. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe next week we'll get to talk to the team a little bit, but I'm going to fly out on the 20, 20, uh, sixth, um, the day, day ahead of the game, you know, I think they're, they got some events there. I think there's like a little parade and stuff like that. Yeah. So we'll do some stuff with that. Um, obviously the game, um, but you know what, what I'm really looking forward to is just kind of seeing how this team shakes out. I know for football teams in general, bowl games is really offer really valuable practice time. Like for, so for instance, like, you know, Temple, like, you know, ECU's last opponent, like they, they didn't make a bowl game. So like they just, they're done for the year. All the players just go hang out and do whatever they want to do. But, you know, Mike Houston's got these guys for like another month or three weeks. So right. like, I feel like that's, that's just hugely beneficial. Like whether how this bowl game goes good or bad, I feel like just this practice time is probably more valuable than almost the game itself. It seems weird to say, but like, I, I think just looking toward the future, I think a lot of guys just getting some run and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, you're, he's getting a good long, long look at the quarterback, you know, Mason this week, you know, something like that. I think that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to this bowl game and, just, just to kind of see what, what the team does, because there are going to be some new pieces. You're going to have a new center snapping the ball to Holt. You're going to have a different tight end start. You're going to have some different guys out there. So, yeah, it's going to – it's a little interesting, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. And uh, I guess we'll kind of maybe learn more when we get to talk to the team, hopefully next week, and uh, kind of, I guess we'll go from there. And, by the way, I'd love to invite you that night on the 26th, depending on when you get in. But 8 o'clock that night, we're, hopefully I can make it in time for all – we're going to actually have a show – a live show is the place is called Overtime Sports Bar and Grill in Birmingham. Okay, um, I'd love to have you there that night. Uh, but I'll we'll we'll keep in touch, obviously. But I want to let you know that on air and love to have a lot of Pirate Nation be there rocking. Um, they were real thrilled that we asked them because they know how Pirate Nation shows up and uh, takes over the town, so to speak. But Birmingham's going to be great. And one more thing, uh, Bubba wanted to ask about your thoughts on the bowls. Which bowls are you intrigued by? Um, I, I'm I'm gonna because I went to the University of Iowa. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna pick that one, but honestly, if you're not from either of those teams, I probably wouldn't tune in. <laughs> probably gonna be some terrible offenses. I think both quarterbacks aren't gonna play, so who knows what to think about that. Um, other than that, honestly, I'm I'm a big like you know final New Year's Day kind of bowl guy, or I guess New Year's Eve this year. Um, yeah. you know, college football playoff guy. I'm a huge. I, I'll be watching those, and I mean, I'm I'm really excited about that. So. Do you care anything about? I'm putting you on the spot about soccer, where the final of having uh, Argentina <laughs> versus uh, France. No, I like whoever wins. It, I will not be affected one way or the other. I kind of stopped watching when the USA got knocked out, and to be fair, I only kind of barely tuned in. So, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. Like it, some of the games when it's like three to two, it's fun, but. Like, I just can't sit through like a zero zero soccer game. It's just hot. Bubba, I want to ask you too, also your thoughts on Coach Prime, other coaching changes? Yeah. Um, I, I guess it just is what it is, right? Like, all, all the kids are hopping in the portal and coaches all over the place. Like, you know, for instance, you know, Coastal Carolina coach, not going to be there. Um, it's just interesting. Um, you know, I think we asked Coach Houston the last time I got to talk to him if it's going to impact any sort of his game prep, and he said no. I mean, they're probably going to run the same sort of stuff. And I mean, you can't see an interim coach kind of implementing this crazy new stuff anyway. But it's more so like I, I think it's just this kind of the nature of this time of bowl season. Where there's a lot of players missing, there's coaches missing. It's just almost yeah. just it's just just an extra game <laughs> that people just like watching football for, right? Like, 
Well, it's going to be great on December 27th. In fact, the very first time they've ever done a night game. They talked about in the press conference today. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so under the lights for the very first time, and it'll be 6.45 our time, 5.45 Central Time, where we'll be there at Protective Field, which is right behind me. Um, and okay. cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun, my friend. Uh, by the way, how can people fi- uh, follow your work? Extreme close up there, Bubba. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, showing um, yeah. my age there. I'm almost 50, dude. Almost 50. Uh, you got to back off of there. But uh, anyway, what's <laughs> the, what's the um, how can people follow your work there on Daily Reflector? Is it reflector.com off the top yeah, of that? Yes. Yes. So reflector.com. And then if you follow me on Twitter, it's like at PM222. And I will, you know, a lot of time I tweet stuff, you know, I retweet stories. And so, yeah, you can follow me there. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, if I don't get a chance to see you, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We'll see you down there in Birmingham after the bowl. I mean, after the holiday. That's right. We'll see you down there. Have a good Christmas. See you, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Good night. All right. Appreciate uh, Patrick so much uh, for being with us tonight. And uh, great uh, time had by all tonight. I want to remind you, we've got lots of great programming coming up. Um, Bubba, are you there? Let's see if we got Bubba. I am. Okay, cool. We wanted to uh, we want to mention to everybody we got a big show on Saturday, and uh, real excited, Bubba. I appreciate you behind the scenes helping us out um, as well with that. We've got a Porky's Backyard Barbecue from noon until two. We're going to be there. I know the guys like Bubba is going to be chiming in and out. While Matt's got some stuff going on, he'll be chiming in. I think uh, Kyle should be back with us on Saturday. It's a Christmas toy drive, and it's presented by us and Porky's Backyard Barbecue. You can drop off new unwrapped toys. All the toys, if you're watching on the show right now, it's going to ECU Health's Maynard Children's Hospital. The folks there, that's my day job. They're so excited. We're doing that for them. And Porky's is located at 805 East Boulevard in Williamston. And again, um, you can go by there now through uh, Saturday. And as a matter of fact, they'll be open until 8 o'clock tomorrow and um, Saturday. So make sure you check it out. And a special guest by, um, we have Santa, noon until one. Bubba's going to be so much uh, fun. In fact, we have a special on Saturday, barbecue dinner, two sides, only $8.99. And if you know anything about food costs these days, $8.99 is a great deal. And they've got great sides. Oh, my goodness. Uh, great stuff there. So looking forward to that, Bubba. It's going to be a lot of fun. And as I mentioned, we got a lot of great programming coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I wanted to mention something uh, to you guys. I, I just talked to Patrick about. We're excited, Bubba. You and I are going to be there, and that's going to be at Overtime Sports Bar and Grill in Birmingham. And we're going to be there broadcasting on the 26th that night at eight o'clock, probably about an hour or so, maybe hour and a half um, that night. So if you're a Pirate fan, or if you can't make it, you can still watch the show. And I think that uh, Matt and Kyle will be joining us from their homes. So. Um, unfortunately, they won't be able to make it, but it will be a lot of fun, right, Bubba? Yeah, it should be um, should be a good time. I know, you know, Richard Osbrook and some of our loyal listeners um, plan on being there. Uh, and you know, going back to the toy drive, on Shell says, Dave, how could he donate something from Charlotte or uh, someone in his situation? I mean, if they want to get up with us off air and we'll find a way, maybe the cash app and we could buy the toys or we'll figure out something like that. Um, 
and that would be fantastic. The, all, like I said, of what it is, all the kids that are in the children's hospital, um, they're having a tough time, right? And some of them uh, being in East North Carolina are less fortunate and they don't have any toys. And so um, they, a whole bunch of toys are being donated between now and next Tuesday. So what we're going to do is we're going to get all the toys new and unwrapped. And on Monday, we'll take those to the children's hospital. And I want to give a shout out to Rhonda James, everybody at the ECU Health Foundation for the job they do um, for Children's Hospital and other stuff there, projects for East, uh, for ECU Health. So um, great stuff there. I could talk about them for hours, but we don't have the time. But it's going to be a lot of fun, Bubba. Yeah, and this show uh, tonight, uh, with since we're a little over 90 minutes already, uh, we were going to replay our Chad Staggs interview. He's the interim head coach and defense coordinator for the Chanticleers. So go to our YouTube channel, check that out, and we'll also put it on our Facebook page and our other social media. Uh, we had a between a 15-minute and a 20-minute conversation with Chad uh, Staggs, and uh, he's been there, part of that Coastal Carolina program for four seasons now, and it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, if he follows uh, Coach Chad Well to Liberty or, or what his future holds um, prior to his time in Conway he had been at Charleston Southern, which is where Chadwell had been previously. Uh, no doubt. By the way, I want to let everybody know that uh, on Monday, we got confirmation today, I can go ahead and say it. Monday at 7 p.m., we're going to have Mark Meadows, Executive Director of the Birmingham Bowl, will be with us on the show. Um, so if you have any questions for uh, Mark, then that's going to be a great time on Monday night at 7 o'clock. And I cannot wait for that. Yeah, we'll have that for you. Uh, we'll also catch up with the play-by-play -play voice of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleer sometime next week uh, for an additional preview of the game on the 27th. And then um, and then tomorrow, uh, Sonny and Semenza, oh, yeah. uh, we'll, have that, we'll have that for you. Uh, and uh, that was a... That was a show that were, was pre-recorded, and uh, we're releasing that tomorrow at right around lunchtime. That sounds great. We've got so much. Bubba's working his tail off right now. I appreciate you, man, so much. We're trying really hard to – obviously, there's football, there's basketball, there's all the different shows we're doing. Um, it's really, really busy time, but we love it so much. Um, I want to give a shout-out, by the way, to Kevin Walker and um, LK Custom Homes. He's been awesome to us. And uh, he sponsored the playback. I want to give him a shout out. Porky's Backyard Barbecue again. We got the big show on Saturday. Thanks to Mark and Terry Holiday. They've been very supportive of uh, myself and Bubba and everyone. Go by and see them. They're open daily. Actually, they're open. They've got new hours. I'll, um, they've changed that, by the way. I forgot to tell you that, Bubba. Uh, Monday through Thursday, they're 11 to 7. And then on the weekends, it's 11 to 8. So they have changed that. I apologize again, Bubba. Um, but call them 252-661-0337 if you maybe you want to do a holiday party. And um, or and um, by the way, they also call them, Bubba, um, call them because they actually have 661-0337. And the reason you do that is maybe you have some sides that you want, some collards, maybe uh, some string beans, mashed potatoes, some yams, and you want that and you need some help for your holiday party. They'll do that for you, too. They can cook up a whole bunch of stuff for you. And you'll be like a real champion for sure. And uh, appreciate their support of the program. Bubba, do you have anything before we go? Nope. 
All right, that's the easy one. All right, we'll get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> uh, thank you, dude, for all that you do for us. It means a lot. Um, thanks to Shell, everybody watching tonight, uh, Johnny Gardner, uh, JR, appreciate everybody. We'll get out of here. I know it's been a little bit long, long night too. Hey, I've had a great time. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to all of you. Until next time, you've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. Every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wind.